Let me introduce you to this teaching cassette. You are about to experience the life-changing Word of God, presented to you under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Welcome to the preaching and teaching ministry of Michael Billings. He is born again, spirit-filled, and the pastor of Word of Life Family Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. You'll be refreshed as it brings the gospel to you with great boldness and simplicity. Our prayer is that you take sufficient time to enjoy and understand this message. So get your Bible out and get ready for an explosive life-adjusting message. You will never be the same. to John, the 21st chapter. I want to talk to you this morning about some basics, some essentials. We've been, we've been ministering on the line, those lines, just essentials and, and basics, because uh, like many football teams, maybe or basketball teams, we need to go back to the basics. Enough said right there. Hallelujah. No matter what they do, we have the victory. Hallelujah. Now, I, I will along that line, which we hadn't gone along that line. I, I will notice that Auburn is winning everything that they put their hand to, Lance. <laughs> Go War Eagle. <laughs> I told Debbie the other day, I said, you know, when Lance first came in, we gave him old Billy about Auburn, but you know, I'm sure glad he's bigger than we were. He's not giving... <laughs> Hallelujah. But you know, we just don't need to identify with anything in this world so much that when they have a bad time, we have a bad time. Amen. It's just really important to, to enjoy the victory and enjoy the, 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 the whatever. But never, never get yourself where you're going, oh, I, I just don't know if I can hold my head up. My, my, my. Life is bigger than football. Amen. Uh, that, that, that T-shirt that says football is life, listen, it, it's, not even, it's not even a part of life. Amen. It's, just when, it's really it's just something we do to entertain when we're bored, and really the, the time is coming, and now is, that we've got so much to do that we don't need entertaining. We're, we're kingdom-minded. John chapter 21, are you there? Let's look in verse 15. Now, as you notice, this is at the end of this chapter. The Lord Jesus is, is um, he's closing it out here on earth, and, and uh, it's, fixing to be, it's fixing to go into a whole other dimension. Verse 14 says, Now, this is, the time, this, this is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Now listen, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Now, what, what is the subject of that, that, uh, that question there? What is the subject there? It's the word love, isn't it? Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me more than these? And he said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things, and thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Well, many times when we go to that scripture, we look at the feed my sheep part. But the question that I want to present to you this morning is that is the, the place that you are in your life this morning as a human being, as a citizen of this earth, is to understand that some of the things that are working in our lives positively and some of the things, those same things work in our life negatively are basic. Listen, we just don't, we're just not having trouble because one corner of our yard isn't growing quite as fast as the other side and because the, chip's painting, the, 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 the paint's chipping on the back. 
That is not what life is about. What we are is like, God, what about my faith? Is it big enough? And God, who loves me? A major question in people's lives every single day. All relationships are hinging on the fact, do, do you love me? You just think about people right now. You think about your own life and your own family. All the hours and all the days and all the conversations that are spent and all the hours brooding and meditating in your own heart about, do they love me? Do they care? Do I fit? Does he love me? Does she love me anymore? Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Is that we spend a lot of time wondering, am I loved? You know, that proverbial thing about the, the, the wife that told that, that's the husband, you know, you, you, you don't tell me you love me anymore. And of course, you know, he says, well, I told you I loved you when we got married, and if it ever changes, I'll let you know. You know, we, we say that, and it's a real issue in relationships, how we need to communicate, we need to speak things. That, that sin goes out of the body through the mouth. We, you know, we confess our sins, but that life comes into our body through the mouth. And then when someone tells us, I love you, it's more than just three little words like, well, whatever, how much is bread today? And how, how, you know, how many eggs did you buy? It, it's life to have someone say, I love you. That ministers to us. That, and if someone says, I don't love you anymore, we, we are tempted to be devastated. And we, we spend much of our life, much of our life, basing our life, whether we go or come, based on, does somebody really love me? And when you can't come up with those answers, then you start looking for someone that can love you. You say, well, you don't love me, I will go find somebody that does. You don't maybe say that consciously, but you, you, you begin to look around. Could you love me? Do you find me interesting? Do you find me attractive? Do you find me fun? Do you, would you like to spend your days with me because you love me? Isn't that what's going on in our world right now when the divorce rate is higher than the marriage rate? Uh, isn't, aren't people saying it's more than a better car and it's more than a, in an exciting lifestyle? It's just that I want to feel like somebody accepts me for just who I am, and the word for that is love. There's infatuation, and there's, uh, there's, uh, you can have the, the, all the integral parts of marriage, for instance, if you break them down and say, well, there's the, there's the stewardship over the house, and there's the children, then there's the intimacy part of marriage, and then there's the financial part. All of those things can be duplicated in another realm. You can, you, can, uh, you can have a mistress, you can, you can uh, get you a housekeeper, a maid, you can get you a, 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 a what do you call it, a nanny. You can, you can get all those things duplicated, but there's one thing is love. It doesn't matter those things that, that are supplied in a marriage. i got to have someone that looks me in the eye and says, I love you. Just like you are right now. Not, not when you fix it, not when you get better, but I love you right now. Well, see, the reason that those things don't work so well, the reason that question's always coming up in us, that insecurities abound, is because we really don't know if God loves us. Because we've been satisfied that only God can save us but actually, we are only convinced that we are righteous by what we do. I'm talking generally speaking. Most people, most Christians, they think, God saved me. Thank God you saved me. But their self-worth in his eyes, in their, in, from their side, is, have I been good or have I been bad? God loves me based on what I've done. 
You can't deny that those feelings come, even if they're demonically inspired, that come against you, that when you haven't done what you know to do, you, you like Paul says, the thing I wanted to do, I didn't do it. The thing I said I would do, I didn't do it, and the thing I said I wouldn't do, here I am. You can't deny that when you've done that, been there, you've experienced that, that you go to Father and say, do you love me? Do you love me as much? And if you don't, well, Lord, I'll do something. I'll do something to get you to love me more. When in fact, it's the blood of Jesus that has inspired God to love us totally, absolutely, right now. The Bible says, while you were yet a sinner, God sent Jesus. He died for you. Christ died for us. When we were, while we were yet vile, wicked, lawless, anti-God, yet Jesus said, I love you. But see, that slips away from us in the day-to-day -day because we're so condemned by this world system and so condemned by feelings that come from people that say, I reject you with my words, with my gesture, with my spirit. I reject who you are. I reject you by what you believe. I reject you by how you look. I reject you by what you've done. I reject you by what you have not done. We, we then are emptied of love. And so when we go to God, it's like, well, do you, do you hate me too? And yet God loves us with a great love. So, so Jesus was asking uh, John here and says, well, um, excuse me, Peter. He was asking Peter, he says, you know, what is the status here? And Peter was getting pretty frustrated over it. God loves us, doesn't he? And everything works or doesn't work based on two things. Based on how much you understand and walk out the revelation of God loves me. Say that with me. God loves me. To, to the reality of that, how that is in, integrated and networked into your heart, that you know that, and how you react in faith to that fact. Now, we can teach you, and the Bible would be, would, is full of instruction about how to release your faith and to call to the mountain and, and call things that be not as though they were, and, and faith, 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 and those things are so essential. But none of them work, except we know that God loves me. The question of the leper that said, you know, I, I know, Lord, that you can, but will you? It, it was based on a misunderstanding of who he was to Jesus. Well, this man was a covenant man. God had established a covenant, even, even built on the blood of bulls and goats, but he was a covenant man, and Jesus said, I will. See, we've got to understand, we've got to know, this thing works when we know I am loved. God loves me. Amen? Turn in your Bible with me, if you would, to James chapter 2. I wonder this morning, I wonder if, if we were sinners this morning, I, I, I'm assuming, you know, that uh, everybody in here is acquainted with God in some dimension, but we won't, uh, we won't suppose to believe that everybody in here is necessarily born again, because um, we want people that are not born again to come to church and get born again. We, we want you to experience Jesus, not in the knowledge realm alone, but to have Him change you into a new creature in Christ. You have not lived life in the abundant realm until you have first allowed Him to birth you by the Spirit. Hallelujah. But on the other hand, this morning, we've got to understand that, that there's a world out there, and then there's a church out there that don't necessarily go together, and then there's a church out there that doesn't necessarily follow the Word of God. I'm wondering this morning, is if you were a sinner and you were to watch Christian TV, just to go in there and say, I'm, I'm, honey, I'm feeling like we need, to, we need to do something towards God, and turn on TV, I'm wondering what kind of information you would receive from Christian programming. Now, I don't watch much of it, but I've, you know, I, I've surfed enough through it to know that it's not the message of God loves you. 
Oh, initially it is, is God loves you, initially. But if you listen to these people talk to Christians, hold on now. If you listen to many people on television talk about Christians and what you ought to be doing, it is always, is God's mad at you. I remember for years that, God, that, that people were, when it first came out, when AIDS first came out. See, I am old enough to know when AIDS first came out. You know, it's like, this hadn't been here forever. And when it first came out, the church was excited. They were happy that AIDS had hit. They were so excited that God was going to deal with this homosexual thing. And He, was gonna, he wasn't just going to fix them, He was going to kill them. AIDS was terminal. I mean, it is terminal. And that God had found a way that was only, uh, basically, unless you're a needle user or something, or, or transfusion, that God had somehow segregated the, the, the homosexual community, that what they did that was so terrible and so uh, bad before God's eyes, that He had found a way that He could, uh, he could segregate them and kill them and, and, and judge them in the earth. And that we in the church that had not been doing those vile things, we could live above it. It wasn't in the water, it wasn't in the air, it wasn't in something that you got. In the, in, in, the, in the milk. And the church was excited. Yes, God's judgment on, on, on the homosexual community is AIDS. Y'all remember that? Amen. And you know, you say, do you remember that? But it's still going on big time today. The self-righteous like to think that we don't have any AIDS at our house because. And the because then goes on, I do this, I go there, and I don't do this. And we're, we're not like those people. And the fact is, God's not mad at anybody. He's not mad at anybody. You know, if there's anybody, and there, there isn't, but if there was anybody that God was, how do you say it, torqued off. Is that, a, is that a Bible word or whatever? If there's anybody that God's not happy with, it's not the man, it's not the woman that shakes his fist at God and curses him and says, you, you don't do anything for me. I don't need you. And just takes his name in vain and just, you know, just you, you've met those people. You work with those people, don't you? <laughs> they have no regard for God. You know, God loves them as much as He loves you. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. Well, that is the world. He so loved the world. How much did He love them? That He gave His only begotten Son. And that uh, they can come into that life as soon as they believe on Him. But, you know, He gave up front. It's a blank check. He just signed the end of it and said, whoever will believe can fill in their name. But you know, the, the, if anybody, if God's not happy with, if anyone could be turned in this new generation, this new covenant, the enemy of God, it would be the people that propagate or fail to rectify that God loves everybody. It would be those people that tell the Christian community that God is, God is taking your baby because He needs another rose for His garden. James, the book of James says, for you teachers to be careful because there's a stricter judgment on you. That you use your influence to cause people to live according to what they don't understand or don't know about the Word of God. We're all responsible to get in this ourselves. Amen. We, 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 none of us can say, but God, they said. It really doesn't matter. As long as there's a living Word in the earth, the Bible, the Word of God, then we cannot point to anyone. But nevertheless, many people don't go to the living Word and they believe the preacher. Why? There's people that believe that it's in the newspaper that it's true. There's people that believe that if Peter Jennings says it, they couldn't say that if it wasn't true. And so they certainly say that if it's, on, if it's on the preacher's mouth, if it's in his sermon, it's true. These people, if anybody's upset with anybody, it would be that... 
that God's not happy with people that propagate that God doesn't love us. And therefore, we have a whole generation. Why, we've had from, from then till now, from the dark ages on, when Martin Luther came out with the revelation that you are saved by grace, from that day till now, we struggle with finances. We struggle with biblical prosperity. The body of Christ struggles with it. We should have that nailed down, y'all. We, we've struggled with healing, but you know, at least in the 50s, there was a move of God for 11 years, and, and, and healing was established. Many people don't agree with it. They don't understand it. They say it's a fake. It, was, it wasn't true, but it's out there. It's in the body. They have to deal with it. And now there is Christian television that, that, uh, where people are healed, although there's many skeptics of that, but there always will be. Amen. You, you, know, you, can't, you just can't get a thing that says, but it's true. I was sick and now I'm well. You, you, you'll never convince everybody. Oh, that doesn't, believe, that doesn't mean anything. But see, you've you got to understand, God is healing everybody. He will heal you before you get saved. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen where God heals people, and then they get born again. Well, it wasn't because they were a child of God yet. He healed them on the credit. <laughs> Hallelujah. Where are we in uh, James? Let's see. I wanted to go somewhere there. James 2, verse 8. We're going to look at some things this morning, just how much time we have and how the Lord moves. And then, then we're, going to, we're going to let God speak to our lives experientially. Verse 8 says, If ye fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, what is the Scripture? Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. Now I'm wondering if some of these people that are on Christian television, I wonder if some of these people that are, that are in pulpits, that are preaching, that God, it, it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Heard that this week. It's a, where is that scripture anyway? It's in the Bible. Read the Bible. It'll do you well. You know, hmm? It's Old Testament, yeah. It's a, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. And they were preaching that, you know, like, man, you better watch it. You better, you better be careful because a living God will get you. No, he won't. No, he won't. He's doing everything. He's done everything, and He'll continue doing everything to be a blessing. Turn with me to Romans chapter 2. We're just going to go there. Notes have just gone to the wind today. Hallelujah. We'll just uh, stay with this until we need something else. Now, you, you know, there's just I have three or four favorite Scriptures, one of them being 2 Corinthians 5.21, about we being made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And this is my other... Favorite. I have just a few, but uh, I love this scripture. You know, I have always been a person, just, just because, you know, I don't know why. I really can't tell you why, but I've always known that God loved me. I have just never, you know, even when I was messing up, when I, it, I, I can, you know, you can take this to a fault, but I've always just known it doesn't matter what I do, God loves me. I just know that. And even in my family, when people get mad at me, and that, that seems to be, you know, more often than it should be. You know, we're just living. We're living, and, and we're also living aggressively. And so when you live aggressively, you know, people are going to, you know, they're going to go, what? What are you doing? Why are you doing it? Quit doing that. You know, if you're just, if you're just anybody's old dog, well, then, you know, nobody's mad at you. But you don't get anything done. As a pastor, you've got to get out. You, my, my philosophy is if, if somebody's not just a little bit like, what is he doing? I'm not really doing my job. You ought to be out there on the edge. You, in your business, in your family, you ought to be out there on the edge where somebody's going, I don't get it. If you don't have that, everybody's saying, yeah, we know where old Jack is. It's just, it just the way it's always been. You've you got to know that not everything that should be happening is happening. Amen? Amen? But I've always known that God loved me. 
always just known that. I didn't have understanding about the word of how that translated. Like, God, what would you do if you loved me? I haven't always known that because I've had people teach me. God loves you, and the end result of him loving you is you're going to go to heaven. And so I have embraced heaven because I knew God loved me. Now, you, you might not understand that in, if you were raised uh, Baptist but like I was, but if you were raised something else or whatever, you would see people that got saved last month or last week, you'd see them at the altar again. And you're going, what are you doing at the altar? You got saved last week. Well, I messed up this week. And i got to come in here and make it right to get saved again. And it is right. It is right to hit your knees when you miss God. In 1 John 1 night, to get God's bar of soap on you, confess your sin, and get it out of your life. But to get saved again? Well, I sinned, and so God's kicked me out. No, God loves me. God loves me. That means He loves me the way I am today, the way I was yesterday. And no matter what I do tomorrow, God loves me. Now, that's not a license to go and, 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 and get sideways with the Lord because, because the more I understand He loves me, I love Him. Amen. And I want to please the one that loves me. So preachers, are, they're upset. Oh, don't say that because people will go sin. Well, you know, if, you, if, if things are right, you're not going to want to go sin. In Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Well, let's look in verse 3. Oh, thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things... Isn't that, that's what we're ministering on this morning. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, and that, that thou shalt not escape the judgment of God? He, he's, he's asking him a question here. You, you think that if you do this, you're going to have the judgment of God? Or despisest thou the riches? Say riches. See, it's, this, is a, this is one of those golden truths. Despisest not thou, thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance, and long-suffering, no, not knowing that the goodness, the grace, the love of God leadeth thee to repentance. When you were out in the world doing all manner of unspeakables, the goodness of God was out there drawing and pulling you. You'd do a bad thing, a real bad thing. You'd tell, you'd tell everybody, I'm not, I don't want nothing to do with God. He's, I don't care anything about Him. What did He ever do for me? And God was saying, we've got to figure out a way to bless this boy. We've got to get, figure out a way to draw this boy to repentance, to get him on the other side. He, he, he doesn't think right yet. Amen. Instead of us whacking him, well, you stupid thing, that's wrong thinking. Bam, bam. Now you've got to, it's going to be twice as hard for you to come now. That's the way the church has treated us. I remember there was a couple, oh, excuse me, there was a, a woman that came to our church. Uh, let me get this straight here, in Seminole. Um, yeah, this is how it was. She was in a certain denominational church, and uh, her husband was meaner than, than the devil. He was, I didn't know him, but, but they, they said he just beat her and just everything. And so she, she got rid of him. Thank God. But she was in this church, and she, he, she met a Methodist boy. And he's a good guy. And uh, so they, they're going to get married. They're both spirit-filled and going on with God. Go to this pastor... And the pastor says, I can't marry you. Well, why not? I've been a member here for how long? Years and years. He said, well, it's just against our rules. If you've ever been divorced, we can't marry you in the church. No, this wasn't the Methodist church. Now, this, he was from the Methodist church, but this was her church. And, uh, and, and, and she looked at him and said, what? He said, yeah. Now, if you'll go get married somewhere else, then you and your husband can come back here and we'll just bless you and receive you and have you. But you can't get married here devastated her. That was her church family. That was her pastor. That was her life. And he said, because you're divorced, 
God's rejected you in some dimension, and we have to reject you as well. We have to follow through on what we think God's done, that divorce is wrong. And since you've committed this, you've done this, you've been there, we just can't sanction you in the church. We can't approve of you until you get married somewhere else. Now, you may say, this is unusual. No, this is the way it is in that place, in that denomination. And so they were devastated, and so they came to our church and said, what about this? And I said, honey, we'll get you married by the weekend. Actually, you know, actually we went through counseling and the whole thing. I said that too fast, but, but you know, it's like, God's not mad at you. Divorce is regrettable in that you weren't both spirit-filled when you got married and using your faith, but he never was, and, I don't, and she was backslid when she got married, I guess, because she married the wrong boy. Amen. But whatever, whatever, if that's in your life, just, just repent of it. It takes that long. How long? That long to repent of it, get it out of your life, and to be back on the road, the blessings, favor, and the love of God. Do you read there in verse 4? Not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. The goodness of God, the goodness of God, the goodness of God. It's the goodness of God. God's not mad at the homosexuals and putting stuff on them. He's not mad at, at, at the racist. Are there some racists out there? Are they wrong? Absolutely. Are they against Christianity? Absolutely. Is it against the word? Absolutely. Is God mad? No. He's not mad at these people. His goodness is drawing these racists, these supremacists, or these, these you know, whatever. They're, they're, in all, they're in all race. I'll tell you this too. It's not just the white folks that are this way. It's just that that's where we live. In other nations where they're different predominations, they're mean to the Muslims, and they're mean to the Buddhists, and they're mean. It's all, it's, it's the nature of the devil. Amen. <laughs> it's the nature. And so God's not mad, though. He's drawing people. That's how he gets them saved. That's how, they, that's how comes people stand up and say, I used to be one of those, but the goodness of God drew me to repentance. And now I see. It was there all along, but now I see what was there all along. I didn't see it then. I was blinded, but now I see because the goodness of God drew me. Well, if God's drawn the homosexual and the, and, the, and the murderer and the rapist and the serial killer, if he's drawing them with his goodness, how much more is he drawing you and I who are just saying, God, I'd like to please you today, but <laughs> I sure did miss it this morning. He's drawing us with his goodness, with his favor, with his love. So I got to know. And so I'm looking at these preachers. And they're preaching what we call hellfire and brimstone. Is that how you say it? Hellfire and brimstone. <laughs> you ever said under one of them hellfire and brimstones? What is a hellfire and brimstone message? It's turn or burn, baby. <laughs> it's like if you don't change, it's, you're going to the fire. Well, it's true. If you don't become born again, if you don't change and become a, a, a believer, if you, don't, if you don't make a choice to become a child of God and receive the sacrifice that Jesus made... God has no choice. He's not like He's sending you to hell, but you just can't with your unholiness, your, your sin nature, you can't come into heaven and there's just one other place. It's not really like He's even sending you to hell. He just can't let you come into heaven. And, and when you lose your body through death, you can't, you, you're, a, you're a disembodied spirit and you have to go. You have to have an abode somewhere. And so that's the only place that's been created. There's no in-between for the, the carnal, uncommitted, I meant to do better Christian. It, it, there's, you either are blood-washed or you're, you're lost. But these, these preachers get up, you know, hellfire and brimstone. And it's not wrong to mention it. It's not wrong to, to, to make sure that fact is in there. 
but just to go on and on and make it. And you can see what's in the church by the marquee. Read the marquees of these churches, and you can see what's going on inside. One church, one marquee I saw the other, not too long ago that says, if you like our sign, come on in. Well, I didn't like their sign. Their sign was full of condemnation. Their sign is full of, uh, of, uh, of uh, we're, we've got it, you don't, and if you don't come in, you're going to get it. These signs are so precious that are on churches that could be ministering the Word of God. They are legal billboards. They're legal avenues to excerpt the precious living Word of God and that they're used to just trash people, to make people feel, you know, if you don't pray, you'll have a bad day or something like that. You know, all sorts of stuff. Do y'all read the stuff? Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all look at me like, what? Well, I've got to go on to another scripture because we're never going to make it if we don't. Ephesians chapter 1. God loves me. Help me. God loves me. So we're going to spend some time in this. And I know it's been in the body of Christ. I know that, that, uh, that, that this message is out there right now, or it has been out there. But, you know, we just wasn't, this is the timing for us, and we're going from here. We're, we're ministering this, and then we're going, to, we're going to continue to minister at the end of the year on just who we are in Christ. Oh, family. Woo! Praise God. I'm in Him, and He's in me. And we are one spirit. The Bible says we are one spirit. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. We are one with Him. It's not Him in me or me in Him as much that there are two distinctions any more than the Trinity is like they. How many of y'all know the Trinity is they, but it's really not they? <laughs> it's Him. Amen. Well, when He's in me, the Word says that He's in me to the same dimension and degree that Jesus is in the Father. Well, you couldn't say there's any separation or any division or schism between them. Well, there's none between him and me and you and him, right? Amen. Amen. It says in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us, hath, that would be past tense, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. In love. In love. Amen. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. It was the good pleasure of God to adopt us. He called you out. While you were yet dead in your sins, Christ died for you. He called you out. He called you out from a dark, lonely, devil place. He called you out into the glory. It was His, His will. He didn't say, well, I'll have to think about this. I'll have to look them over and see how they do, and then I'll call them out based on, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. No, up front, before you were a thought to your mother, he called you out. He said, I love you before you even came into this earth. Because you know we are spirits. Hallelujah. We're not just bodies. Hallelujah. Verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace. Look, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. We talked at the beginning of this thing about how people reject us and people don't accept us and how by their body language, and by their looks, and by the inflection of their voice, we can pick up. They don't like me. They're mad at me. I'm not going to get the deal. 
I didn't get hired. I, I just tell the way he folded his arms and the way he rolled his eyes and the way he was breathing, I'm rejected. <laughs> Boy, we are experts at reading other people, aren't we? We can speak mountains without opening our mouth. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Amen. We, and oh, we are, and see, we're negative. You can hear 99 good, uh, uh, bad things, excuse me, good things about a person after you've heard one negative thing. If the negative thing came first, it, those 99 will hardly dig it up. Amen. It's just like, yeah, but I heard. Well, here's 98 more other reasons, but I heard. Well, here's the 99, but I heard. And, and we'll hardly, we're negative. We, we don't mean to be. We've got to renew our minds, don't we? Amen. And we've got to renew, I know you know God loves me. In, in, the, in the surface part of your being, God loves me. And, and if we gave you a test, you'd check the right answer, God loves me. But experientially is all that counts. It's what you're able to walk out and say, that's mine. That's the blessing of God. That's mine. I claim it now because God loves me. And he said, because he loved me, I could have anything that I could believe that he'd already apportioned to me. So if, if, if anybody gets healed of anything in the earth, if it's ever happened to any child because he's no respecter, God loves me, I'm healed too. If he, if he paid off anybody's house, if he ever paid off anybody's house, if God ever reached down and said, I love you, I'm going to pay off your house because you believe me. You asked me for it and I, I, by my love, I, I've already said yes. If he's ever done that to anybody, then Lord, I can go to you and say, God loves me. I, I thank you, Lord, for paying off my house. Now, it's not a casual thing that says, yeah, let's make us a list and, and you know, mail it. It's a thing where you, you develop believing, you, de you develop it down in here that God loves me, no matter what I do. Not planning on doing bad, but no matter what I do, God loves me. Let's say it to get, together, God loves me. It's easy for us to say God loves you. Brother McDaniel, God loves you. I, I can say that. I can, I can do that. Like I can say, the Lord healeth thee. God heals you. Be healed in the name of Jesus. But what about when I go home and I've got symptoms in my body? It's, it's easier to apportion to others. God loves you. Because we're not dealing with their secrets and their mysteries and their motives. And if you knew what they did, you wouldn't say what you said about them. You get that sometimes when the Lord has you prophesy to people. You get some eyebrows, especially from the wife or whatever. You know, it's like... This guy is off. <laughs> He's speaking with forky tongue. It, there's no way this is, this is the truth because I know this dude. And, and God ain't speaking that to him. He's a bad, bad animal. But see, God looks past the bad, bad. He just loves us, period. He loves us, why? The blood of Jesus. He cannot see you and I except through the blood. It just filters out everything. It just screens it all out. It just, it just takes the stain away. And you go, well, where's the justice? Where, where are we going to deal with these bad attitudes and this sin and this, this wrongdoing? What about the guy that's persecuting me? We all would like a little lightning. Don't want, don't want to send him on the glory, but just to get close. To smell the smoke. Did you see that lightning? That was for you, Bubba. Don't mess with me no more. We love that. The disciples said, Jesus... These guys aren't preaching it just like we do. Should we call down fire? And Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you are. God loves me. He said, if they're not against me, they're for me. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Did I, did I send you all somewhere or are we still out there? Amen. Um, Luke chapter, let's go to John 15, 9, and then I think we're going to have to wind it up. Yes, yes, we are. 
We got virtually nowhere this morning. Excuse me, how much does the Father love me? Well, He loves me, according to verse 9, as the Father loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. Jesus never turned anybody down that came to Him asking Him for anything for heaven. Every person that came to Him, every person, say everybody. Everybody, everybody that came to Him said, Lord, would you? Jesus said yes every time. Every time. Every time. Now, there was times when He came into town and He wanted to minister and He wanted to release life and He wanted to get some things done and it says He could do no mighty work there because unbelief, they didn't want it. That's why prosperity doesn't work for everybody. You say, why? Why isn't God making everybody blessed if it's His will? Why isn't everybody getting saved if it's His will? Because they don't want it yet. They think, they think that they're going to have to give up their fun life for the, and listen, I don't much blame them, for the Christian life. And looking at some churches, especially those that are legalistic and those that are, that are tight and hold their finger out to you and say, if you cross the line, it's over for you. I think I'd like, I'd like to sow some of my oats, too, before I come around. You know, kind of catch it at the end of the movie. You know, just kind of, you know. It's just because we don't realize, we don't have understanding, but we're at fault. We hadn't told people it's not heaven or hell. It's life and life abundant. People are not motivated by hell. Hell is a someday. You can, you can look at people concerning how they live their lives, and they, every, everyone has a mentality, almost everyone, of immortality. This couldn't happen to me. This happens to them. Well, that's the same thing it is about hell, since not everybody's coming back and saying, boy, I went to hell, and I'm fixing to go back, but just wanted to give you all a visit. It, it's real bad, real bad. And you go, oh, I thought that was just make-believe. I thought that was something. I, I'll, I'll straighten up. See, people, that's why diets don't work. It's because we love food more than we hate fat. And love is a greater motivation than hate. You'll hate it when you're on the scales. You'll hate it when you're trying to get into that suit. But when you get into your pajamas at night and everything's loosey-goosey fits fine, <laughs> cake looks good, ice cream is godly, tomorrow we'll do that thing, that diet thing. We'll think about it tomorrow. And so people are not motivated by hellfire and brimstone. It's like... Okay, this scares me. I'll go down to the front of the church and I'll say, and I'll say, I don't want to go to hell. They're not saying I want to go to heaven. They're saying I don't want to go to hell. That was the children of Israel. When they come out of Egypt, they weren't saying I want to go to the land of promise. They were saying we want to get out of Pharaoh's land. Amen. God said, I want to get you to a good land. Well, we don't care about that. Just get us out of there. And there's a place in between called the wilderness. And that's where people live, is in the wilderness. They're either living in hell on earth or they're living in the wilderness. But there's a gospel. It's the one we've always had, that God loves me. And everything that He's got is for us here on the earth. It's for now. It's just for anybody that'll say, I'll take you up on that love. It's not based on what I am or what I've done or what I'm thinking. It's based on God loves me. The blood of Jesus has motivated Him. He's not mad at me when I mess up. Well, then why don't we just mess up? It cuts off fellowship. I can't hear from God when I'm wallowing in sin. I can't release my faith towards heaven. Lord, I believe I receive when I pray right now, and you've got sin in your life. You don't have confidence or boldness toward God. It's the thing that once you've tasted the life, the good life, the life that's in this gospel, the life that's actually easier to live than the life of this world. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. That's the life that's hard. So when we go to God and say, God, I'm not, I'm, the, the heavens are like brass. 
Get that sin out of your life. Yes, sir. I can't, I can't take just a nominal Christian life now that I've tasted the good life. The life of abundance. The life of getting your answers to your prayers. The life of peace. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. My burden, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What is that? God loves me. God loves me, so he took the burden. Didn't make me carry it. God loves me, so he didn't put me in the yoke of, of the, that Adam was in where you have to till the ground with sweat of your brow and childbirth will be hard and, and all those things. He didn't put me in that yoke. He took me out of that yoke and put me in the yoke with Jesus. You think Jesus was having a hard time? You think Jesus got the end of his day and said, Wow, yeah, buddy, this has been a hard one. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. This thing, we've got to slow down. No, he went in the power of the Spirit. He went by faith. He always knew God loves me. And he had a purpose to his life. Listen, you will understand the love of God when you get purpose in your life. Trying to just get through this life without dying of cancer or going bankrupt or having your kids get on dope is not going to get you life and life abundant. Getting through this life with life abundance is, Lord, I, I want to be a paymaster. God, I want money to flow into me so I can flow money into the kingdom. Lord, I want to, Lord, teach me how to win people to you. Lord, teach me how to lay hands on the sick. Lord, teach me how to, how to get uh, uh, people that are on drugs, how to minister deliverance to them. Boy, when you get that in your life as a motivation, then life becomes worth the living. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, God loves me. You know, he's, he's not happy this morning with symptoms in your body. This is against him. See, we are the body of Christ, and I'm joined with him. I'm one with him. If a man, the Bible says, can be joined with a harlot, then his spirit's joined with that harlot. How much more than we being joined with him are one with him? So when there's symptoms in my body, when there's symptoms in your body, it's not pleasing to the Lord. He's not giving you grace to endure. That is a lie. L-I-E-F-I-B. Not true. Lie. There is no grace to endure. There is a grace to say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This is an affliction that is from the pit of hell, and I refuse, I refuse to walk with it and in it. That's what it is. Lack is a curse. You've heard it said, but slow harvest on seed you've sown, and small harvest on seed you've sown. That's part of the curse. We're not supposed to have holes in our pockets. That's the world. God loves me. Well, God, is there anything in this relationship? Is it just heaven? Oh, yeah, there's plenty. He wants to bless you. So I want you to stand up this morning. I have it in my heart because the Lord has it in His heart.